Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support Oren's work, you can donate at orenjsofer.com forward slash support. Hmm. What a gift to have had this time together. It's been a real, uh, a real pleasure and an honor for me to share the week with each of you and with you, Sharon and Mark. Um, so I'll add my bit on going home, taking this practice into our lives. Um, many ways, many ways to keep the practice alive. Sharon spoke of the importance of having structure and uh, keeping a daily practice. Um, one of the things that I love about this path is how creative we can be with it and how many ways there are to, uh, to express the values in our heart and also to cultivate and strengthen them. And so I wanted to just kind of sketch out a little bit of a broader picture in addition to the foundation of having a daily practice um, and the kind of tips that Mark offered on the transition in going home, uh, other ways to keep this alive in our life. One of the most important things I think that we can uh, find and cultivate is a sense of joy in the path and in the practice and finding what is that for you? You know, what brings you a sense of delight and meaning in having a contemplative practice? Might not be the formal practice. Maybe it's studying. Maybe it's reading and learning about the teachings. Maybe it's learning about Buddhist history. Maybe it's learning about Buddhist art. Uh, Maybe it's chanting. You know, we did a little bit of chanting this retreat, but it's a beautiful practice and a wonderful way to open the heart, to build concentration. Maybe it's through spiritual friendship, as I spoke about last night, finding the the people who you can connect with either in person or online or remotely, uh, and just really taking delight in those relationships. If we don't have some pleasure and joy in the path, we won't continue. So look for that. See, what is that for you? Where does that quality uh, of a kind of quiet appreciation come from? And then, and then pay attention to that. Focus on it. Bring it in more. The, uh, the, the tradition offers a few structures that can be very helpful for keeping the practice alive. Going back to where we started from, one is the three refuges, the triple gem. And just contemplating this for yourself, what, is, what does the Buddha mean to you? Either the historical person or... Um, what his example represents, the qualities that he embodied. The word Buddha itself means to be awake. It's just that quality of awareness. What would that mean to develop a relationship 
with this, em- this embodied symbol of awareness of the Buddha. Looking at the, at the Dhamma, at the teachings, but also the path. The fact that we don't have to make this stuff up. That there is a path to follow. There are others on the path that we can walk with, that we can turn to for support. So contemplating each of these, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and developing a relationship in your own heart. Refuge is not something that just arrives, that just comes overnight. We have, to, we have to develop that quality of trust and confidence and security in our own heart over time. By really looking at where do I go for refuge? Where do I turn for support when things get hard, when I'm challenged? And what's actually reliable? What can I actually depend on? And to find that within us, for each of us. And Sangha is a huge support. I mean, I spoke about this at length last night. Uh, But, you know, if you don't have... Uh, friends or sangha in your town. There are many other ways to connect with people. Online, there are more uh, online communities and online classes that you can take um, uh, through many different uh, venues and means. Some of the Buddhist magazines have wonderful online courses. Barry Center for Buddhist Studies has some great online courses. I'll talk about one that, that I offer that's related to the transition after retreat. Um, but finding, even if it's just one person who you can check in with about practice, can be very supportive. Many people find some form of ritual meaningful in daily life or as a way of connecting with the heart and with the path and practice, having some kind of an altar at home. And this doesn't necessarily need to be religious. If the religious iconography doesn't speak to you, you know, that's fine. But to just take something that represents your deepest aspiration. The question came up in the hall the other day of this Tibetan phrase, getting used to it. And what does that mean? One of the, I was... um, talking with, with Sharon and some of the other folks. And the, what a summary of, of, of that is our deepest experience, the deepest experience we've known. It's a beautiful way of putting it. And so to say, like, is there some representation of that for you, the deepest experience you've known, your highest aspiration for this life? Maybe it's a flower, a stone, a picture. And then to create a space in your home That's a visual reminder and representation of that part of our heart. And then every time we see it, something remembers. So refuge, ritual, joy. The Buddha talked a lot about generosity as the foundation of this path. And I know that Mark and Margot spoke about this yesterday. Uh, And this is more than just you know giving financial support this is living with a sense of open-heartedness loving kindness itself is a practice of generosity just giving that gift of kindness to one another 
giving the gift of our presence when we're with another person, to just really be there with someone and listen is a kind of generosity. So taking this as a foundation for how we can be in the world. Another important structure for the, having the practice be an integral part of our life are the precepts. These mindfulness trainings that kind of sketch out the boundaries of, of the playing field in life. The Buddha is basically saying, if you're interested in not suffering, if you're interested in realizing your potential as a human being, start here. Try not to harm one another. Try not to take things that aren't given to you. Take care with your sexual energy. Take care with your words. Pay attention to what you consume. You know, do not let the mind get uh, intoxicated or heedless so that we end up you know, breaking our other commitments. And so again, these aren't you know, um, rigid moral commandments. These are trainings. It's a, a place of investigation. And so they serve as kind of a mindfulness spell that when we have an impulse to go outside of those bounds, something inside of us says, oh, wait, what's happening? What's going on here? And then offering that gift to one another, the gift of safety, the gift of fearlessness, through our commitments to learning how to live a life of non-harming, a life of kindness, sensitivity, non-abuse. And then the last uh, quality that I'll mention that's also very important foundation for our practice in our life is simplicity. We live in a culture that is saturated with messages. Everywhere we turn saying, for your life to have meaning, you need more. For to be worth something, you need more. That our self-worth and our happiness is dependent on how much we accumulate, whether it's material things or wealth or social connections. And this practice goes in the opposite direction. It recognizes that actually our deepest sense of well-being comes from letting go, comes from contentment, from learning how to be at peace in this moment. And so the practice of simplicity, of letting go, of just really holding that question, what do I actually need? Very profound question for human beings on the planet today. What do I need? And again, not as, a, not as like a guilt trip, as an investigation. What leads to well-being and peace? What opens my heart? What allows me to live in a way that brings a sense of joy and integrity and brightness? And it's a wonderful gift to have this opportunity to be alive in a human life and to explore, to learn, to say, you know, each day, 
what can I do? How can I shape this heart and mind in a way that's going to bring more good and light into the world? And we can, we can take pleasure in that, in that possibility, you know, rather, rather than judging ourselves against, you know, our expectations or how well I think I'm doing or what happened in my sit today or if I got to sit today. Instead, taking, taking some joy and pleasure in the fact that we're making an effort. That we're pointed in the right direction. Bhikkhu Bodhi once said that there are only two things that you need to realize the goal of this path. First, start walking. Make sure you're on the path and start walking. That's number one. And if you're in this room right now, done. You're on the path. Number two, keep going. So for those who would like, um, I'd like to offer the opportunity to formally um, express the aspiration to live in line with these values, uh, to take the three refuges and the five precepts again in a call and response as we did at the beginning of the retreat. Um, this, is, uh, this is not a contract. This is not uh, you know, a, a rigid uh, straight jacket. This is a, a way of giving voice to uh, the inner alignment of the heart. And so you can do this out loud, you can just listen, you can do it silently in your heart, whatever feels authentic for you. <laughs> 